Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Have you ever walked by a shelf in your local bookstore full of books wrapped in brown paper? They're blind dates with books where you buy a book without knowing the title, the cover, or the author. And it's a great way to discover new books you might never have picked for yourself. And we're giving away five blind dates with books. Executive editor Amanda Nelson will take a trip to her local indie in Richmond called Chop Suey and pick five at random off their shelves to mail to five random winners. To enter to win your own blind date with a book, go to bookriot.com slash blind date and sign up for our upcoming Read This Book newsletter, where we will send you a single solitary book recommendation once per week. That's bookriot.com slash blind date to enter and go see if your local indie participates with their own blind date shelves. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 63, and we are recording on Tuesday, October 22nd. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How is it being back in the United States after living it up in London? Oh, I mean, I miss London a lot, but I definitely missed home, actually, by the end of my trip. This is probably like the longest vacation I've taken in years. Uh, So it was one where at the end of it, I was like, oh, I actually feel ready to go back home and get back into regular life a little bit. I mean, I'm not crazy about having to work and stuff, but (laughs) I was actually ready to come home. I saw on Twitter, it sounded like you visited a ton of bookstores, and I'm super jealous. I went to so many bookstores. I went to about one per day. Like I came home with like seven or eight books. Um, I was gone for maybe 10 days. So <laughs> I think that's a pretty good approximation for what I was doing when I was in London. A book a day. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's like kind of what – well, I have a cousin who lives out there. I went and stayed with her. And so she's like obviously well aware of like the bookstores that are in the area. And she's like, well, we could do like one day where we like tour the city and just do all the bookstores. And I was – or we could do like one a day. And I was like, I would rather do one a day because then I won't get overwhelmed and I won't have to carry like a million books home at the end of that one day. So we shot for about one a day whenever possible. Doing a magical day of bookstore touring in London sounds fantastic, but you are absolutely right that the thought of like lugging all of those books back on the underground just sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, I don't, I mean, like maybe if I like brought a backpack and like just stuffed them all in my backpack, I could maybe think about doing that feasibly, but I feel like I would just get so exhausted that by like the poor last bookstore I was visiting, I'd be like, "Ah, I don't even care anymore. (laughs) Like, I don't imagine that actually happening because I do love all the bookstores. But uh, yeah, it's just it's a lot. So spreading it out across each day made it like this nice little delight. And also because this wasn't my first time in London. So I was like kind of going out into like farther parts of the city and like more into like the neighborhoods and things like that. So I would take like these treks out to like a random neighborhood and then find the bookstore that was there and things like that. So it was great. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. And now I want to go back to London. (laughs) Darn it. 
Yeah, I highly recommend it. I also did uh, Budapest for two days, which was a random surprise. Oh. Not surprise, but like a random sort of trip that I ended up doing because my cousin's like, uh, if you want to leave the city, it's really cheap and easy to do. So just like look up a random city where there are like cheap flights and you can go there for a couple of days. And I'm like, that's a good idea. So I did. <laughs> All right. London and Budapest. Yeah, quite the trip. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to go ahead and give us our first sponsor before we jump into our podcast? Of course. Um, so our episode is sponsored by Dark Pattern by Andrew Main. Dr. Theo Cray had a knack for catching serial killers until a mind-altering pathogen knocked him off his game. Luckily, his former professor is helping him track down his latest suspect, a nomadic healthcare worker with hundreds of victims. Cray follows each new lead around the world, but with his own grip on reality slipping away, he knows he'll find what he's hunting only if he confronts his own dark side. And it's going to be the most frightening journey of his life. Um, so this is the fourth novel in the Naturalist series by Wall Street Journal bestselling author Andrew Maine. Um, this is a new psychological thriller. Um, Andrew Maine is also a magician, illusionist, and the star of A&E's Don't Trust Andrew Maine. Uh, so you can learn more about this book at andrewmaine.com or you can uh, check it out at your local bookstore. And again, that's Dark Pattern by Andrew Maine. All right. So uh, news items. Well, actually, I'm sorry. I'm jumping the gun here. <laughs> jumping in into news items when I forgot to welcome all of you lovely listeners to our show like I always do. Um, so new listeners, welcome. Uh, longtime listeners, welcome back. As those of you who are familiar with our show know, this is when we always put out a call for feedback and for ideas to use in upcoming episodes of Red or Dead, whether it's a particular subgenre or if it's new, uh, news that's been going around in the mystery world that you're interested in knowing more about, or if you're looking for some kind of book recommendations or anything, as long as it pertains to mysteries and thrillers and true crime and all of that stuff, it counts. And so we always encourage you lovely people to to send us ideas because you have sent us some fantastic ideas that have helped us create some fantastic episodes. So we will have our contact information at the end of the show. Make sure to keep an ear out for that. And even if you don't have an idea and just want to say hi, we do always uh, love hearing from everyone. But make sure, um, yeah, make sure to to uh, make a note of our contact info. Let us know if you have any fantastic ideas. And with that, now I will jump into the news I or section, or rather, I should say you will, because you've got the first couple of news items. Yeah, well, I don't blame you for wanting to jump into it. We have some fun stuff to talk about. Um, so first, uh, there was recently an announcement about the Bailey Gifford Prize. I almost mispronounced that. Um, this is a UK prize specifically for nonfiction. And this year, it's kind of cool. Um, the article that we will link to in the show notes uh, talk it focuses on the fact that five out of the six writers nominated for this award are female, which is fantastic. Um, it's a 50,000 pound award, and it's considered one of the most prestigious for nonfiction writers. Um, but the specific reason why we're bringing it up is because two of the books that are nominated, or at least two of the books that are nominated are like true crime bent. Um, so the first one is Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee by Casey Kep um, or Sep. And then the other one is The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper by Hallie Rubenhold. Um, so again, there'll be a link in the description or in the show notes uh, to this article so you can check out all of the nominees. But um, this is a great 
sort of resource if you are looking for someone or looking for some nonfiction books to read, um, or if you've maybe had these two on your list, and this might be the bump that you needed to uh, pick them up. And then the other story I wanted to mention really quickly is that well, I mean, I feel like I need to backtrack a little bit. So when the story first came out, uh, there was big news that Stephen King's house was apparently going to become like a place that you could visit and uh, view archives of his work, um, as well as do like a potential writer's retreat or something along those lines. Uh, there has been updates to the story since then. Um, he basically like posted it on Facebook and said that they are starting to plan a sort of writer's retreat uh, place near their house or something along uh, in the house next door. Um, and so they plan on providing housing for uh, by they, I mean, Stephen King uh, plans on providing housing for up to five writers and residents at a time. Um, and so basically, they were working on getting like the permits in place and like the government stuff set up. So that way the house can be this thing as opposed to just a residence. Um, and I think that like news leaked and everyone got really excited. Um, the archives, he says, um, were formerly held at the University of Maine will still be accessible for restricted visits by appointment only. This isn't going to be a museum, he says. It's not going to be just like this big thing that's open to the public. Uh, but if you are a researcher or a scholar, you'll have access to the archives. Um, so don't plan your vacations to Maine just yet to visit Stephen King's mansion um, because it won't be open to the public. It'll be one of those things where you need to have still access to go to. But I do think it's kind of cool that Stephen King is opening up uh, a house for writers and residents. So I did want to mention that. Yeah, when I first heard the story, of course, I was like, what? Like, start buying plane tickets out to Bangor. Um, but yeah, he he popped up, or he popped up on Facebook. He was like, all right, everyone, hang on, let's calm down for a second. Um, also, I totally want the title of Stephen King scholar at some point in my life. Yeah, that would actually be perfect right up your alley. I mean, I can't imagine that many more people being more uh, dedicated for it to that than you are. I mean, I'm sure you're a librarian. I'm sure you can definitely like work that in somehow. <laughs> oh, well, this this will be my my new life goal. I'm, I am going to be a Stephen King scholar before I die. I don't know how and I, I, I'm not entirely sure when, but it's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm pretty sure that we have talked on the show previously that The President is Missing was going to be getting an adaptation. I think that news came out before the book was even published. Um, yeah. Of course, The President is Missing is the book co-written by James Patterson and Bill Clinton. Um, but now we know that it's going to be a TV series and David Oyelowo is going to be starring in the series adaptation as the vice president who becomes the reluctant president when the actual president goes missing. And so we have a we have a link to that information Entertainment Weekly posted about it. So we'll we'll make sure to to include that in the in the show notes, but that we do have some updates for that. And if you have been hearing a lot about Lee Bardugo's novel Ninth House recently, it just came out. It's been getting a ton of buzz in like all of the big publications and review journals. Like this book just sounds amazing. And not surprisingly, it is has already been picked up uh, for a TV series by Amazon Studios. There isn't much other information about that um, besides the fact that Amazon, that Amazon Studios picked it up. 
Um, but if you have read the book or have been meaning to read the book and have been getting excited about the possibility of thinking, oh, hey, this would make a really good, make a really good adaptation. Well, you are in luck. So as we get more information about that, we'll be sure to let everyone know. And then we have, have to mention over the weekend or last week or recently, Vulture published an article uh, naming Tana French as our best living mystery writer. Of course. Like, all of us here at Book Writer are like, yeah, welcome. <laughs> we all knew that already. Pause for Muppet Arms, but also going, yeah, we've been telling you this. So we will have a link to that article. But if, you, if you've been listening to this show and you have not yet read Tana French, well... I will we'll still keep giving you opportunities to do so, but you really need to. Um, as on a related side note, I did find out that one of my coworkers has started listening to a couple of her books on audio, and she has just loved them. And someone checked out In the Woods the other day, and I they checked it out, and I just went, I just want you to know that she is one of my favorite authors of all time. <laughs> and they're like, really? I was supposed to read this for a book club. I'm like, you don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we obviously we talk about this all the time. But like, I legitimately have never met a person who didn't enjoy a ton of French book outside of maybe being like slightly disappointed in the lack of uh, completeness in some of the books. No spoilers. But um, other than that, like, I feel like there's no way to not like a ton of French book. But I don't want to jinx things for anyone. Everyone likes their own books. But really, like ton of French is amazing. Like, it's ridiculous the f how much I've enjoyed all of the books that she's put out. Yes, and I, I I, have found one person. It was a long time ago. It was, I did, it was a uh, professor uh, from, I'd never had him as a professor, but he taught at uh, the college I went to, and he came into uh, the library years ago when I was working and he asked for a book recommendation, and I was, you know, as a youngin, I was, you know, I wasn't so much interested in finding someone, you know, a book that they might enjoy. I just kind of was like, Tana French, um, which I kind of am like that anyway, but he came back and told me later that he did not like it. it mostly he didn't care for the characters. He, he, I think Aww. he liked the writing, but he really did not like the character of Rob Ryan. I could see that. Yeah. And and so I I did not be I did not, you know, I was not upset and I I think I knew that this was probably not the not the right reader for that book. But that to in my experience has been an outlier. Um everyone else seems to really love Tana French. So, go read her or reread her. Go read Tana French. <laughs> <laughs> go read Tana French could be the subtitle to this podcast. <laughs> Go read down a French. Okay, make a note of that. Oh, okay. So with that, before we jump into the main part of the show, I have our second sponsor, which is Death and Conspiracy by Celie James. And this book asks the question, is Jacob Stern a terrorist or a hero? All Jacob wanted was a romantic weekend in Paris with his girlfriend, but when he spots terrorists bent on attacking a crowded church, he flies into action. The victims mistake him for one of the extremists, causing the authorities to give him a choice. Go undercover to expose neo-Nazi fanatics, or go to jail. Jacob and his sidekick Mercury are two of the best characters ever created. This was 
said by Secret World Book Club. They love the characters here. Jacob infiltrates an, a- an international conference for violent radicals in rural Spain. Far from home and cut off from his support team, he must navigate the dangerous waters alone. And in the shadowy leadership of the fringe group, he learns no one is who they seem. And trusting the wrong person for even a second could be fatal. The sinister plot that Jacob uncovers is far worse than anyone imagined. It threatens the lives of thousands and may explode into global chaos. He must trust someone to get word to law enforcement, but a chess game of lies and deception undermines his credibility. So how can he outsmart the malicious conspirators before the world erupts into war? So if you like your espionage thrillers with massive global stakes and, you know, the with the world and and potential danger, I think you will really enjoy this book. Again, it is Death and Conspiracy by Celie James, and we thank them very much for sponsoring the episode. All right. So for our main topic, we decided to take it a little bit easy on our front um, and pick up some books that we've just been meaning to read for a really long time because we all have those books. We all have giant piles of to-be-read books, um, whether they literally are in our house or just like lists that we keep of books or authors that we want to check out. So we decided to uh, give ourselves the opportunity to take time to pick up those books because a lot of times, you know, other stuff comes up and you have to prioritize other reading for other reasons. Um, so yeah, we decided to just figure out a book that we've been meaning to read for a really long time. I think both of us are backlist books. Um, and yeah, it's just was something kind of fun for us to be able to do, especially for me coming back from vacation, uh, just to like pick up a book that's been sitting on my shelves for a while. Well, when you say when life gets in the way, life got in the way so much that I picked a book that I will it's I will read by next episode. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Oh no. <laughs> but I can I am still more than happy to talk about um to talk about why I am excited to read it. And in fact, I have well, of course I have a whole list of books that I've been meaning to read. But I but I picked out a couple that I that I have that I'm adding to my TBR. But yeah, uh life got kind of crazy in this last week. So, why don't you jump in first since you sound like you have actually read your book? <laughs> I did. Um, so the book that I decided to pick up is called It All Falls Down by Sheena Kamal. Um, Sheena Kamal wrote the book The Lost Ones, which came out in 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, and so that's the first book in this series. I think it's just called the Nora Watts series, who is the main character. Um, and I enjoyed that one. I really like Nora Watts as a character. She definitely falls into that unlikable female character trope. Like she, um, not trope, but she is like, like a complicated character who has been through a lot of things. Um, and so this is the second book in the series. Um, these books, um, the first book at least was take, took place completely in Vancouver. This one is split between Vancouver and Detroit. Um, and so I'm also very bad at picking up like second and third books in series. Like I usually read the first book in a series and it takes me a really long time before I pick up the next one. Um, so that's another reason why I picked this one up. Um, so in this book, um, you are following Nora Watts as she tries to figure out more information about her father. Um, so growing up, Nora only really knew her father. Her mother left after her sister was born. Um, and then her father died and he was, um, bas- it was basically said that he committed suicide or, um, died by suicide. And she has like just kind of known that her whole life, but like, 
things come to light and she kind of starts questioning whether or not it was um, suicide or if something else was going on. Um, and so in order to find out the truth about his life, um, she decides to travel back to Detroit where he grew up. Um, and so her father, Sam Watts, grew up in Detroit. He uh, joined the Marines when he was 18, and then he like kind of left home. Um, he came back once for a very short period of time and then basically uh, found Nora's mother or met Nora's mother, and they ended up moving to Vancouver. Um, and so she heads to Detroit to try to figure out what's happened um, around her father's death. And the details that she starts to find out obviously are not great. Um, she gets in touch with her uncle, uh, who she's never spoken to before, never knew about any of these things, but she found like postcards with their address on it um, in her father's belongings. And so she tracks that down and tries to find more information. Um, and she starts to find out a lot of things about her father's life. Um, her father was adopted. And one of the topics that this book covers is, um, I forgot uh what they it was called but basically in like around the 1960s um the canadian government took a bunch of native children um and put them into schools uh and then also like had put them into like the foster care system a bunch of them were adopted by mostly white families and so her father was actually one of those people she was adopted um so her brother or her uncle is actually um an adopted um, family. Um, and so she doesn't know anything about her biological family, things like that. And so it talks about sort of the difficult circumstances about around, um, that these native kids had to deal with and when realizing that they were taken away from their homes, um, and sent away to, you know, really far off places and how that Im impacted her father. Um, there's also the second storyline following, um, the PI John Brazuka, who, was featured in the first book. And so there's kind of these two separate mysteries that you're following, and then they do eventually come together. Um, the second mystery is uh, following the death of this billionaire's girlfriend, or mistress, I should say. Um, and then it gets uh, tied into a drug ring happening in Vancouver. Um, and again, it all sort of comes together a little bit uh, towards the end of the book. Um, again, this book is filled with like unlikable characters. Um, I will say that the, a little bit of a content warning or a trigger warning for abuse, definitely, um, as specifically and trigger warning, obviously, for suicide as well. Um, and, but also this book is a little bit explicit. So if you are someone who doesn't like uh, sex in their books or anything like that, I was like kind of surprised by that because I don't remember that being in the first book in the series, but this one definitely has it. But I mean, I'm fine with it. So it's just a heads up though. Um, but overall, this is one of those books where it's like, a character who has an extremely complicated and dark past, um, trying to work through things. And she in and of herself is like very hardened by her past. Um, she doesn't trust a lot of people. Um, she is very determined to do things on her own to her own detriment. Um, and yeah, I think that if you are someone who enjoys those types of characters, this is definitely um, a series you should check out. Um, so again, the book that I read was called It All Falls Down by Sheena Kamal. But if you haven't checked out the first one yet, I definitely recommend it because they make reference to uh, the mystery in the first book and kind of, in my opinion, give away what happens. Um, so the first book in the series is called The Lost Ones. 
Okay, so, yeah, like I said, did not get a chance to read my books. I've been running behind the eight ball for like a week and a half now. But, um, I do have, a, I have two different picks by two different authors that have been on my shelves for a while or have been in my stack, my stacks of arcs sitting on my side table. So at some point I'm like, you know what? We're just going to have to read this. So the first one to kind of keep with the town of French theme is The Ruin by Dervla McTiernan, which came out a few years ago. And as soon as it came out, everyone was saying, if you like town of French, or I think Jane Casey was the other author, they said, you need to read Dervla McTiernan. And I'm like, well, sign me up. So. The Ruin is the first in the series. I believe there's two, there are two books out in, in this series. So it's, a, it's a very new series. Um, it follows Cormac Riley as the main character. And the book, the, the description kind of makes it seem like, uh, it, it feels kind of like Faithful Place a little bit by Tana French, um, in that Cormac Riley, uh, he discovered the body of a woman in her home. Uh, she had died of an apparent, uh, overdose and left two children behind. So anytime you have a story that starts off with someone finding a body in, uh, in a crumbling house, I automatically think Faithful Place. So that happened 20 years ago. And now her two children are adults. There's Jack, the younger sibling, and then there's Maud, who's, and maybe like 10 years older or something like that. So one one day Jack is found in found in the river and the police tell his girlfriend Ashling that it looks like he died by suicide. And so she just kind of throws herself into her study. She's a surgical resident. She throws herself into work trying to forget everything until Jack's sister Maud shows up because Maud suspects that Jack was murdered and she's determined to prove it. So Cormac Riley is the detective assigned to the investigation, basically has to go back to that to she Maud believes that the death of her mother and the death of her brother are connected. So Cormac Riley has to go back to the death of their mother from 20 years ago and see if there's something that he might have missed, but all the while he is under under increasing pressure to charge Maud for murder of her brother, but of course this is a mystery suspense novel. Nothing is as is as it seems. So it's that takes place in Ireland. So, I mean, right away, there's the Tana French connection. Um, but the cover of this book is just so gloriously, like, grim and atmospheric. Like, this is the kind of book that even if I knew nothing about this, if I didn't know that people were saying, hey, this is a, this is a really good recommendation for Tana French fans, I would still look at that book and go, I want to read that. It just looks so desolate and creepy, and I love it. So I am going to pull that one off of my shelf. Um, again, that is The Ruin by Dervla McTiernan. And then my second book that I found, this came out, oh, I want to say, this came out, yeah, 2017. Um, so again, couple couple years ago, almost three years ago. This is, uh, the second book is Little Deaths by Emma Flint. I got an arc of this, I think, uh, a few months before it came out, and I still have it on my shelf. So it's been sticking around for that long. 
something's telling me that I need to read it. So this book is inspired partly by a true story. It's been, um, the author has been compared to Sarah Waters, Megan Abbott, both of whom are authors that I really enjoy. Um, it's more of a literary crime novel, and it takes place in 1965 in Queens, and Ruth Malone is the main character, and she's a single mother, been working long hours as, um, working long hours at a bar, and she wakes to find that her two children, Frankie Jr. and Cindy, are missing. And then later that day, they find Cindy's body, and then a few days later, they find Frankie Jr.'s body. So, right there, um, well, I will, I will say if, if, uh, Deaths of children bother you. This one might be, this one may not be entirely up your alley. Um, but anyway, they find the bodies of her children and immediately all fingers point to Ruth that she killed her children. Um, and as the police are investigating and are kind of examining her as their main suspect, her life is just kind of exposed and like all of a sudden she's like in the spotlight and all of the ugly details or all of the bad things about her life that she kind of tried to keep away from the general public are now brought into the open. You know, empty alcohol bottles, um, she, you know, provocative clothing in her apartment, um, letters from a bunch of different men, lots of phone numbers. And so they start to paint a picture in their minds and then publicly of what kind of a woman she is. And this, and they draw the conclusion that she is a bad mother. But there is a tabloid reporter named Pete who gets an assignment to cover the murders. And so he digs into the case and his interest ends up kind of becoming like an obsession with Ruth. And he, but he believes that there is something more to her than the image that has been crafted in the news by the police. And so the question is, did she kill her children? Is this just an unfortunate coincidence? Or is there something more sinister going on? I, this, I, I like, I like stories that look at kind of the kind of family elements, like family dynamics or even though the even though this isn't exactly a family per se and that she's a single mother, both her children have just been killed, but kind of those inner dynamics of how people relate to each other. And I'm also always really interested in how public personas get created and how the media and police investigators, how they all kind of work together, like consciously and also subconsciously to create the image of someone who you know, who may, that may not be an accurate picture of who that person actually is. Um, that kind of stuff is always really interesting to me. And I think there's a lot to, a lot to unpack in those kinds of situations. But again, this is, the book is called Little Deaths by Emma Flint. And I'm going to pull that one off of my arc pile, put that right next to the ruin. And those are going to be my, 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 uh, reading assignments for the next couple of weeks. Well, I look forward to hearing about what you think of them after you read them because they definitely sound super interesting. And also I Googled the ruin, uh, while you were talking about it and talking about the cover. And yeah, it definitely has that like eerie, cold, ton of Frenchy feeling to it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It just, it's just like dead trees and like cold water. And I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So uh, yeah, like we always say, feel free to email us and let us know if you've read any of these books or if there are any books that you've been meaning to read for a long time. I'm sure that everyone has them. Um, and maybe you guys can prioritize picking those up in the next couple of weeks as well. So I have our new releases for this week. Um, first up is a book that sounds super interesting to me. It um, is already out as you guys are listening to it. It is called The Lost Brothers by Jack L. High. And uh, the subtitle to this is A Family's Decades Long Search. Um, so this is um, a nonfiction true crime book. And the story starts off in November of 1951 when three young boys went out to play in Fairview Park in uh, northern Minnesota, or sorry, northern Minneapolis. Um, the Klein brothers, Kenneth, eight, uh, David, six, and Danny, four, never came home. When two of their caps turned up on the ice of the Mississippi River, investigators just concluded that the boys had drowned and closed the case. But the boys' parents were unconvinced and hoped that their sons would still be found. Um, it would take six years before two sheriff's deputies with new information in hand and the FBI on board uh, to convince the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension to reopen the case. Um, and so this is the story of that decades-long ordeal, and uh, which is known as one of the oldest uh, known active missing, crime, missing child investigations. Um, and it's written by um, a journalist who was researching this story for an article in 1998, which helped spark new interests in the boys' disappearance. Um, and so in 2012, when deputies Jessica Miller and Lance Sauls took up the Klein's cause, um, the author Jack L. High returned to the mountain of clues amassed through the years and helped follow the trail traced over time by the boys' uh, parents right back to those critical moments in 1951. Um, so this is a book told in the long-form journalism style, um, and it captures the Klein's initial terror and confusion, but also the unstinting effort uh, with its undying faith that carried them from psychics to reporters to private investigators and TV procedures, um, and ultimately produced results that cast doubt on the drowning verdict and even suggested possible suspects in the boys' abduction. Um, so if you are someone who really enjoys true crime, I definitely think that this is one worth picking up and it might even be a story that you've heard a little bit about. Um, so now there's a book about it. And again, that's called The Lost Brothers, A Family's Decades Along Search by Jack L. High. Also out already is a new book in translation called The Fragility of Bodies by Sergio Olguin um, and is translated by Miranda France. Uh, when she hears about the suicide of a Buenos Aires train driver who has left a note confessing to four mortal accident, mortal accidents on the train tracks, journalist Veronica Rosenthal decides to investigate. For the police, the case is closed. Suicide is suicide. For Veronica, it is just the beginning of a journey that takes her into an unfamiliar world of grinding poverty, crime infested neighborhoods, and train drivers on commuter lines haunted by the memory of bodies hit at speeds by their locomotives in the middle of the night. Aided by a train driver with whom she has a tumultuous and reckless affair, a junkie in rehab, and two street kids willing to risk everything for a can of Coke, she uncovers a group of men involved in betting on working class youngsters convinced to play Russian roulette by standing in front of a fast coming trains to see who endures the longest. Um, so again, this is a new um, fiction book that's out um, in translation. So if you are someone who is interested in mysteries that take place around the world, definitely put the fragility of Bodies by Sergio Olguin and translated by Miranda France on your list. And then the final book that I have that is out today um, is called Strangers at the Gate by Katrina. 
Catriona McPherson. Um, Finney Doyle and Patty Lamb are leaving city life in Edinburgh behind them and moving to the little town of Simmerton. Patty's been made partner at the law firm in town and Finney has been, has snagged a job as church deacon. Their rented cottage is quaint. Their new colleagues are charming and they can't believe their luck. But only days after moving into the gatehouse, Finney begins to have doubts. She keeps hearing strange sounds, and the thicket of trees makes her feel claustrophobic rather than safe. When they witness the bloody aftermath of a brutal murder, it changes everything. They've each been keeping secrets about their pasts, and they both know their precious new start won't survive a scandal. Together, for the best of reasons, they make the worst decisions of their lives. And that's only the beginning. Catriona McPherson is an Agatha Award winning author. She wrote the book Quiet Neighbors. Um, this is a new twisty mystery that asks the question, who do you turn to when everyone's a stranger and you've stopped believing your own eyes? And again, that's called Strangers at the Gate. And then coming out this coming Tuesday, October 29th, is a new young adult mystery book, and it's called All the Things We Do in the Dark by Sandra Mitchell. Something's happened to Ava. The curving scar on her face is proof. Ava would rather keep that something hidden, buried deep in her heart and soul. But in the woods, on the outskirts of town, the traces of someone else's secrets lie frozen, awaiting Ava's discovery. And what Ava finds threatens to topple the carefully constructed wall of normalcy that she spent years building around her. Secrets leave scars, but when the secret in question is not your own, do you ignore the truth and walk away, or do you uncover it from its shallow grave and let it reopen old wounds, wounds that have finally begun to heal? Um, so like I said, this is a new young adult mystery book. I've seen it pitched as for fans of Sadie. Um, obviously it's not going to be exactly the same of that, but if you like that sort of contemporary young adult mystery book, then this is probably one that should be on your list as well. Um, it sounds like it's partially, um, a mystery, obviously, but also partially like person reckoning with sort of like your past and the things that are happening in the world around you. And again, that's called All the Things We Do in the Dark by Sandra Mitchell. These all sound so good. <laughs> yeah, and these are all like perfectly like creepy enough for like this time of year where it's like cold and getting dark outside and all you want to do is read slightly chilling things under a blanket. Well, speaking of slightly chilling things, um that is actually the perfect segue into the book that I am almost finished reading. I've got like 50 pages left. So I'm going to finish it tonight. Um But if you listen to last episode when Liberty was guest hosting and we talked about creepy mysteries and Liberty talked about The Whisper Man by Alex North, I am almost finished with that. And she's right. Like, it's really creepy. And I won't, I won't go too much into detail since we talked about it a lot last episode. Um, but she mentioned, um, a couple points that I, that so far that, that I want to emphasize. One, one of the biggest strengths of this book is not only the creepy premise, which is real quick rundown. There used to be a serial killer in this small, in the small English town. Um, that they dubbed the Whisper Man because one, because someone said that they had heard someone sitting outside their child's window whispering to them at night, trying to lure them outside. And that person was ultimately caught, but like 20 years later, or years later, (laughs) something similar is happening again. And so they're like, okay, did he have an accomplice? Is this someone else? Is this a copycat thing? Because he's been in jail. Um, 
but it's it's that that idea that there's someone hiding outside your window whispering to you and it's really creepy um but one of the strengths of this book is the characters like the father and son at the heart of the story their relationship is so well done because the mother has died um it was like a year or two years ago and so it, the grief still feels kind of fresh and a good part of the story is told from the father's perspective in first person narration so you really get a sense of how much he is struggling to be a good parent and be there for his son but his son is having issues that he isn't sure how to address um his son appears to be talking to you know imaginary friends he's saying some things in school that are kind of disturbing when they move into their new house the son says makes comments about the boy in the floor and which apparently if you read the author's note on the on the book jacket the author's own son uh in real life one time told his dad that or whoever the whoever the author is the Alex North is a pseudonym but the son said that he had been playing with the boy in the floor and at that point I'm like well nope we're got we got to move <laughs> not playing with that but the the relationship between the two is just really well done it's very authentic it's very nuanced it's complicated it's fraught it's fragile it's really done extremely well um and yeah i just i just really love it and then liberty also mentioned that there is a scene in the book where you kind of go oh and i don't know if we are talking about the same scene we probably are but there's definitely a, a, a scene where I won't say what it is, but when I got to it, I was just like, oh, God, that's creepy. So it definitely delivers on the creepy factor. Um, so I am really enjoying it. And like I said, I've got 50 pages left. We're going to finish it tonight. Um, so again, that is The Whisper Man by Alex North. And then in terms of what I'm starting, well, besides the two books I already talked about, October's just been a really good month for really interesting books that are just coming out. And just based on the books that I have ordered for my library alone, there's like six or seven of them that are currently sitting on the shelf that I just want to take home with me all at once. But I don't feel I don't feel right about doing that. Um, but one of the books that has been staring at me that I think, again, we talked about last episode was Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha, which, yeah, I think I think came out like a week ago. And the, it takes place during the LA riots of the 1990s and looks at the racial tensions in uh, Los Angeles. And it's, it's one of these kind of like social crime novels that just have so much stuff to unpack there. And everyone has just said it's absolutely amazing. So maybe that will be the one book I pick up, or at least the one book to start with, because it's just been sitting there staring at me. Um, but again, that is Your House Will Pay by Steph Cha. I also have a copy of Your House Will Pay. Um, and I considered putting that one down as my to start. <laughs> but um, like, so let me just explain. Uh, I was planning on reading Heaven My Home before I left for London. Uh, but then I realized I had too much work to do. So that <laughs> before my vacation, so I didn't really read anything. And then, um, everything I read while I was on vacation was not a mystery book. So I don't have anything new to talk about. Um, but number one priority is Heaven My Home and I kind of want to pick up your house will pay as well, but we'll see what happens. Um, I also realized literally today, uh, that this weekend is, uh, Dewey's readathon, 24 hour readathon. And it's been a really long time since I participated in that or participated in a readathon in general, I feel like. Um, and 
so far, I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday, so a lot can happen between now and Saturday, but I don't have any plans and I think I might be able to like work really hard this week so I can actually have a full day off on Saturday. And so I, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that books will be read on Saturday during the readathon. So we'll see what happens. Oh, I've always wanted to participate in a readathon, but Saturday is planes in my one year anniversary. So we got plans. Oh, man, you should tell him I need to change our anniversary <laughs> so I can read a bunch of books. <laughs> well, we, we have plans for dinner, so may, it might, I might be able to squeeze something in, like, maybe in the afternoon. Or maybe I can just postpone it till Sunday and just participate in spirit. I mean, the readathon is 24 hours, so, you know, there are hours outside of your dinner <laughs> when you could be reading. So, you know, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not married, so I don't know how this will go over with your husband, but <laughs> it's a it's a possible thing that you could throw out there. I might I, I might have to wait for the next readathon, because Lord knows there are plenty of readathons ha- that happen throughout the year. But yeah, that it's like that happening on Saturday. Oh, <laughs> no! Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, part of the reason why I haven't participated in Dewey's is because, like, they've always fallen on weekends when I had plans. And so I'm like, well, I can't really participate in a 24-hour readathon if I'm not home for, like, eight of the hours or something like that. And I never stay up all night because I don't have no. the strength <laughs> no. to do that anymore. <laughs> so, yes. Anyways, uh, Dewey's 24-hour readathon is happening this weekend. If you're listening to this in time, maybe you want to participate as well. But yeah, I'm really hoping that I'll at least get some reading done or be able to at least, you know, make my way through a little bit more reading than I usually do on a Saturday. All right. And that is our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Uh, for show notes, you can head to bookriot.com slash listen. You can get links to all of the articles that we talked about at the top of the show, as well as links to all of the books that we mentioned here today. If you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple, Apple Podcasts so that way other people can uh, check us out and uh, join our lovely bookish community. If you want to send us an email with feedback or future show suggestions, you can find us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.